Welcome, friends. This is Historical AF. I'm Kina. I'm Serena. We are a historian and a special guest delivering you the funny and random historical nuggets you never knew you needed in your ear holes. This is Fairy Tales mm-hmm. Part 3. Yay! We need some kind of sparkly sound oh, effects no. like dilly, dilly, like in Wayne's World when they do that. Oh, the 90s. Yeah. Memories. So tell everybody who you are and about your podcast. So I'm obviously of South Asian descent. So I decided to do a podcast about South Asia. My parents are originally from India. And growing up, I never knew any Indian history because that's the British education system, apparently. So yes, my podcast actually looks at different historical figures in India, aside from Gandhi, because Gandhi is just plastered almost everywhere in india he's just he's on every note of the rupee note he's on posters he's used in you know political discourse and literally everything there's just a lot of kind of unknown historical figures or people that because every state in india is different right they have a different Mm -hmm. culture different language and whatever it is so they have a very they have some historical figures very close to their heart who they're quite proud of so then it's kind of you know, why are these people so important? Why don't we know more about them? Why is Gandhi sort of talked about everywhere? So my podcast attempts to broaden that bracket about Indian history. Sorry, that was very long-winded explanation. No, no, that's incredible. And yeah, they don't teach us much here in the US either about India. I think grad school was the first time and it was imperialism. So it wasn't Ah. even the good parts. You yeah. know, it was just the British parts. And I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> like, it was never an option. Exactly. Because even when we learned sort of black history at school, it was Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was just Martin Luther King. So, it, And that was US black history. Like, where's the black history of Britain? Like, you have a whole generation who came yeah. here. And there's no history about them. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's to kind of fight this ignorance about, about a lot of stereotypes, I guess, about Indian culture. Because a lot of people say, oh, who is your you know, hero, would it be Gandhi? And it's like, well, actually, no, there are like all these people, but you've just never heard of them. So like, even one of the most basic names that I came across was uh, actually my brother told me about this. And he said, this guy's name was Bose. I can't remember his full name. I probably should have researched it. But um, (laughs) he's basically, you've heard of Bose Einstein condensate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, filament, I think it's called. But he basically created that but everybody knows Einstein because he carried on the theory. But who's Bose? Well, he was an Indian. I think he was a mathematician or a scientist or something. But again, like a lot of people kind of ignore that first part. And then they just like, oh, Einstein, I can remember that. I guess just getting through those cracks and understanding an audience who know that they're not getting a full understanding of what certain histories there are. And I guess that's kind of the job of, I guess, historical podcasts is to say, well, you think you know this, but actually, you know, you know, consider other aspects, broaden your knowledge base and stuff. No, that's incredible. Tell everybody your great news about your acceptance. Oh, yeah. So I'm currently living close to, we'll just say London because it's easier that way. I have been accepted to Cardiff University in Wales to do my PhD. That is so exciting! (laughs) Thank you. Oh my gosh. And what is your specialty going to be? Do you know? Yes, because when you do have to apply for the PhD, they need to have a breakdown of basically everything that you're doing, like chapter breakdown and where you're going to research and have a timeline. Yeah, you've got to have it pretty much all sorted and then you apply for it. So my focus is modern Indian history. So I don't really know like old old Indian history like pre-1857 I know a little bit of here and there but it's like as I'm learning but it's mainly modern Indian history combined with public history because I have an MA in public history as well hence why I continue to do like podcasts and you know blogs and all this other stuff and I try to engage with other historians but yeah so like modern modern Indian history and it leads up to today because it links to all the race and history issues that we're having today with education and statues being torn down and stuff like that so yeah so the combination also I'm so excited that you're public history too because you're the only other person I've met that's public history a lot of podcasts are just history but yay public history (laughs) yeah I got my piece of paper yeah (laughs) oh yeah I can see yeah I can see God. what was your thesis that was the podcast because the final project has to be uh what you call it not like a paper dissertation but like a physical thing so i think you could choose from podcast documentary blog 
teaching website yeah like you could do like loads of different types of practicals and my original idea was to do a documentary but then covid happened uh because i had like so many ideas to do filming in london and to do this and we could do shots out here and i had perfect you know write the script and then just speak over it but that failed miserably so i just ended up doing a podcast because you could just do it all kind of online and stuff and it also gave me really good editing experience Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, my program, you could do a paper or a website. Okay. That's it. <laughs> or an exhibit. You could do an online website uh, yes. exhibit or a physical yes. exhibit. I would like to get my doctorate. I think that that would be really exciting. But mm. my thesis nearly broke me because I had to write it in two months. <laughs> so the thought of writing a dissertation makes me want to cry, oh just weep. So maybe someday down the line, I'll go back. But <laughs> You can do it. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. All right. So my segment, I have random. And if you're new here, welcome. But also (laughs) random is where one of my Patreon gives me a random word and I have to fit it into the theme. So Megan, who's one of our newer Patreon fam, gave me the number three, which is perfect. It is so much fun because three is a huge theme in fairy tales. Mm -hmm. It's all over the place. So a little backtracking into history. In the 6th century BCE, you may recall a dude named Pythagoras in Greece. He founded a system of numbers and numerology. (laughs) And he really sets the stage for my segment because he declares that the number three is just where it's at. It's perfect. It's the best number. He's the first guy to be like, we got it. No need to go any further. You like six, that's two threes. You like nine, that's three threes. Threes, which until Pi came along. Yeah. (laughs) So if you don't know much about Pythagoreans, they believe that the first nine numbers each held a sacred meaning. So Mm -hmm. number three represented harmony, and it was an ideal number. There's a lot of different interpretations, and it depends on how modern you get, because a lot of the new like mystical numerology stuff kind of goes different directions. So originally, (laughs) one meant unity. Two mint disorder. And then when you add those two together, you have a harmonious conclusion. Naturally. (laughs) Why wouldn't you? (laughs) And then there's others that say like one is the origin of all things and two is matter. Mm. And then when you put the origin of all things and matter together, you have perfection. That one seems kind of like a stretch. And then there's just like a lot of chaos and order makes you add them together. You finally have like a gray area so that's kind of where we're going and it becomes like a philosophical debate like what do we get when we mix chaos and order can there be such an existence is there something that embodies so and so it's just very weird like even mathematicians could be philosophical in a kind of weird way whether they realized it or not that's true yeah it does seem very philosophical the Greeks were not the only ones to go this direction. Numerology is in ancient Babylon, Egypt, the Indus Valley, even South America. So it pops up all over the world. And I love those things. I love it when the same concept pops up around the world with people that have no contact. It just makes me wonder, it's like, how many things are innately human that we want to figure out and seek out these answers? Because we had nothing else in common. It's just so cool to me. Because I'm a nerd. <laughs> And the number three is also really big in religion, and it pops up in multiple religions. For example, the Christians have the Holy Trinity. Druids have the, and I'm going to butcher this, I'm so sorry, the Triskelion, which is their ancient motif that has three triple spirals. Oh, yeah, yeah. The one in um, Charmed. Yeah, oh, yeah. I knew knew that I recognized that from somewhere, and I could not figure out where it was. (laughs) Is it called, like... Is it like the anglicized name is Triketra? Because I've only ever heard it called Triketra, not yeah. that fancy mm-hmm. Italian name you gave it. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be like Gaelic or something, but I just butchered oh, okay. it. Uh, my pronunciation has a lot of heart, but not a lot of okay. accuracy. <laughs> I will pronounce this word as best as I can, but I apologize to the best of my extent. Yes, in my head it sounds so smart and it never comes out right. The the hillbilly just takes over and then... <laughs> But then you also have like the three jewels in Buddhism and then the Hindu Tridevi? Tridevi? Tridevi. Oh, there we go. That sounds much better than what I'm saying. And then you have the three pure ones in Taoism. And then you have the triple goddesses of Wicca. 
So there's Mm. so many different elements that are threes. A lot of rituals, events, or tasks are completed in threes. So like Jesus came back in three days. You have three Shabbat meals of Judaism. And then, you know, if you think about, uh, I just blanked. Norse. Oh, my God. (laughs) Norse mythology. You have Odin, and he endured three hardships when he went to the world tree on a quest for ruins. And then you have, like, the paths of salvation in the Bhagavad Gita. So there's just themes all over the world. Mm. And a disclaimer, not all religions, because Native Americans think four is sacred, and, like, Islam, five is pretty sacred. So it's not across the board. But a yeah. lot of religions do enough for there to be a theme. And Sikhism, like our lucky number is 13. But, oh, okay. Yeah. There's a three in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's not everybody, but enough to be where like there's something here. Yeah. And at least the kind of Abrahamic, majority of the Abrahamic religions, yeah. at least. Because I, I was actually curious because I only thought about it like when you said, oh, we'll do a fairy tale theme. Because a lot of the challenges that protagonists or heroes have to go through, they usually come in a pattern of three mm-hmm. or there are three siblings. Like they'll say the, you know, the first brother failed and then the second brother failed and then the third brother managed to do it or something. And I just thought it was weird, but you never see uh, a pattern of three on the bad side. It's not like they're three bad witches. There's not three bad evil Kings or something like that. It's always comes in threes to compare the protagonist with the failure of two other people. Yeah, that's that's really true. I think the only association I think of the evil side is like Snow White, the witch tries three times to kill her. Yeah, some, but not like three bad guys. There's usually just there's usually a good guy, a bad guy, and then there's usually something else, like whether like some kind of mystical element. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but yeah, three definitely pops up. Seven and nine pops up too in a lot of different areas, but. Yeah. I didn't want to go too far down a different rabbit hole. <laughs> I was going to stick to three. <laughs> but just so you know, it's out there. And not only is three symbolic, it's just really helpful for your old brain. So interpsychology, my degree I don't use. <laughs> I get so excited when I get to talk about it. But you're- Also, that'd be a really long-winded story. Like, and the fifth challenge, he was told to do that. You're just like, when is this bloody book going to end? Yes, exactly. And a lot of it is just brains like the number three. They're easy to yeah. remember. A lot of times we tend to group things in elements, colors, fonts, but we don't go more than three because then we start to forget. So it's very yeah. visual. And... Once we start increasing to four variables, the brain gets confused because mm. our brains are pattern-seeking machines. We're basically just a giant computer. So they're constantly looking for relationships. So I think I had a professor one time talk about our brain is a filing cabinet, and it's always trying to sort everything. So when you're trying to recall a memory, it just wants to grab it out of the file cabinet really fast. So it's sorting everything in a pattern so that it's easier and faster to pull it. Three is a good pattern because your brain's like, I dig it. I can remember that. Let's do it. I got this. I know a relationship we're looking at here. Yes. And three is also the smallest number we need to create kind of like a rhythm. So yeah. brains like that too. Because if you think about like mnemonic devices, it, anything mm. that gives us a pattern or some kind of rhythm, easy to remember. And I thought this was just fun. So thanks to modern technology, an MRI of the brain shows that humans react to stories differently than we react to talking to people. A common conversation is only going to activate two parts of your brain. So it's going to be the part Mm -hmm. where we're listening, so your auditory cortex. And then the other part is going to be where we decipher language, so the Werner's area. But when you're hearing a story, it stimulates almost your entire brain. Which is so cool. Your brain just lights up like a Christmas tree. So the empathy centers will light up and it will Mm. be, if you're listening to the protagonist's sadness, you're going to feel empathy for that character. It's just so exciting. Your whole brain is really into it. And then if you're talking about senses, the parts in your brain where you would actually sense those things get activated. So it really puts you like you're in the story. Yeah. Which makes 
sense because some people like me, <laughs> I get really into stories and I get really into movies. I get really into books. And it makes sense if your brain is like really trying to put you into it. It would make sense that yeah. you relate to those characters. You would feel like you're actually there. It just it transports you into another world. Our brains yeah, like cause it. Because I, I always thought it was maybe just me because I, I was out of a whole kind of friendship group or whatever. I was the only one that loved to read because some people just read. But I really love to read. But when I would read, it was like a cinema in my head. So I'd just read it and I could picture everything. And especially if a book's written really well, you can just picture everything. You can imagine what that character's feeling, what they're looking at, what it is that, you know, the mindset as well. Why are they saying something like this? Oh, but you understand what happened in like three chapters ago or something. So it was just always like watching a cinema in my head. And then when someone would interrupt me, I'm just like, it's like intermission. And then... (laughs) so annoying (laughs) yeah no i'm the same way i get really into it and i i feel physical emotions for characters that don't exist my husband thinks i am ridiculous especially movies and books i get really attached to characters yes (laughs) like we just Uh, finished loki and i was not okay (laughs) he's like it is just a tv show (laughs) i'm sorry there are three times i've cried reading a book like i cried at movies before which is obviously not surprising because it's a visual thing but reading mm-hmm. books i've cried three times separately i cried when was it in pinocchio like the original the italian book that's actually a very long book and i cried for that i can't remember why because like what happens in the book is unfortunate like he's a little shit in it but it's still <laughs> kind of sad like especially for the dad um, i cried in the princess bride oh, like at the end that. Oh my god, it's my one of my favorite books. And in Harry Potter, The Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. I I still cry. I've read the book a hundred times. I still cry. Yeah, same. Yeah. So Uh. as far as like stories go, our brains want to have patterns and our brains want to enjoy stories. And if we remember from past episodes or anything about fairy tales, they originated from oral tradition. So this is getting passed down from person to person throughout generations. So you're going to want a story that you can remember. So that's why a lot of them have these devices to remember. So if somebody's like, hey, tell me the three little pigs, be like, I got you. It's just an easy pattern that they can remember last episode we talked about the irish they remembered their stories word for word a lot of other cultures were not that specific but to remember that much information for your whole country's history and all your stories that's a lot i can't remember what i did this morning so yeah (laughs) i just i just don't know and it wasn't until everybody started collecting these stories that they were written down and you know, we got our dudes like Brothers Grimm and Hans Christian Andersen and our gal Marie Catherine. Uh, I always butcher this. Delnoy. Anyway, a lot of them oh, added dude. their little Christian flair to it, too, which would add things like the Trinity. So it makes a lot of sense that we're seeing this in there. It is interesting as well to note because, you know, I think from the kind of the first time you read it or just as a kid, if you're reading it, you kind of see it as this kind of innocent book about fairy tale stories but you don't realize certain religious elements going into it so even remembering reading brothers Grimm, it's especially the girls not necessarily the the males but the girls were always very pious and good mm-hmm. and when they were because of that piousness and that goodness they could pray and attain something so they prayed for food or something and then you know some birds would come and deliver it to them and Mm -hmm. stuff like that so it's weird how religion like they're not even being explicit they're just saying they prayed yeah not necessarily to a god just they prayed and then they received or or like um some some really good stories refer to the like the devil the devil trying to manipulate these protagonists and stuff and then sort of you you see whether the devil succeeds or he fails or something Mm -hmm. yeah that devil pops up all over the place (laughs) Uh, trying to trick them with your trickery yeah so yeah and then also kind of like we're talking about fairy tales have this theme but of course they're also going to bring with them values and belief of their culture of origins so if three is important to that culture it's going to find its way into those stories yeah and then the last explanation is that it's all about balance you know kind of mentioned a little bit in the beginning that one is good 
you know, then two is chaos. So then three is balance. And it kind of shows up that there's always your good character, your evil character. And then sometimes you have the friend or sometimes you have the guidance like a godmother. So there's always a combination of this, but it's just some people, oh, there's a mosquito. Let me fly away. (laughs) Go away. But yeah, something about balance, finding that common ground, having a gray area, which I think a lot of people seek that out as humans because we aren't exclusively good or evil. There's got to be a gray area because we are human. So it's just a theme in humanity. Carl Jung, he's the dream guy in psychology. He did a lot of other stuff, but yeah, dream guy. He talks about the power of three. He wrote, quote, every tension of opposites culminates in a release, out of which comes the third. In the third, the tension is resolved and the lost unity is restored. So even psychology, if you look at stories, everybody's like the three, that's the peace, the restored harmony that we're looking for. So let's get to fairy tales. There's actually a name for this storytelling device, and it's a rhetorical technique. It's called the rule of three or the power of three. And according to Wikipedia, (laughs) not the most reliable source, but I like this quote. It says, quote, things that come in threes are inherently funnier, more satisfying, and more effective than any other number of things. Which, it's true, like even slapstick comedy yeah. Like accidents and jokes and stuff all come in threes. And a lot of yeah. jokes, if you repeat things three times, it's funnier. You know, it makes a lot of sense. One of my friends, he was a guest on this podcast a lot, Luciano. For his wedding, he wanted me to incorporate this penguin joke. And I was like, I'm not a stand-up comedian. I hope I don't ruin this. But it was a, it had three elements to it. Like this penguin doing a thing three times. And I was like, huh. So yeah, jokes. And stories. <laughs> and not to mention, like, even our whole writing style, if you have a mm. beginning, a middle, and an end, it makes more sense to us. You know, if you start adding all this other stuff, it becomes too confusing. Nobody likes that. So, three show up in a lot of different ways in fairy tales. So, you have animals. There's Goldilocks and the three bears. You got three Billy Goats Gruff, three little pigs, which... Next week, I talk about Goldilocks, and it's hilarious. (laughs) Stay tuned for that. And you can have people. So you mentioned that there's usually, like, three siblings. And Beauty and the Beast, one version, there's three sons and three daughters. There's a fairy tale called Three Little Men in the Wood. There's three giants and the three small men. So there's a lot of different variations of that. And then there's fairy tales where you have three objects, like things. So there's Devil with the Three Golden Hairs. There's one yes. called The Three Heads in the Well. <laughs> Again, it doesn't, there's no shock. It gives it all away. <laughs> or then, they use a pattern of three as tests. They yeah. have to perform tests and it's only when they can pass all of them that they, they prove their worth. They're a hero, they're yeah. whatever they are. They become king or something like that. One of the weirdest things I I saw in one of the fairy tales is in The Frog Prince, he has, like, his loyal servant. He had Mm -hmm. three iron bands around his heart to keep it together because he was so heartbroken (laughs) that his person was a frog. I was like, he can't be that good of a boss, man. (laughs) Your heart's not going to split in two over that. (laughs) But what do I know? I wasn't there. So it was was a gastric band for the heart. Yes. And then whenever he becomes a prince again, his heart's so happy it breaks the bands and he's whole again. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) that's just so dramatic. I've never heard of that version. Yeah, it's, oh, it's dramatic, but I love it. I just love it. And then you have like the classic wishes, which you have Aladdin, of course, with a djinn or a genie. And there's also like the The (laughs) djinn. It does the same effect, so that's fine. (laughs) And then there's like the fisherman and his fisherman fisherman and his wife and there's a whale in that one that gives him wishes and then i think yeah dion told a story where the guy gets wishes and he blows them that happens a lot too yeah. where you just do a bad job at getting wishes it shows up a lot in finland there's the mermaid and the boy and that one you have three days to finish your task and the same thing with rumpelstiltskin he gives her three days to figure out his name mm. and the list just goes on and on and on and it's gonna pop up all over the place every country 
all different kinds of stories. So now that we know about the theme, I've picked three random fairy tales with the power of three to bless your ear holes. They're all grim because they're just weird and I just wanted to do weird yes. ones. So the first one's kind of long and then the next two are really short. So brace yourselves <laughs> for the three surgeons. So three army surgeons who thought they were pretty great at doing what they do were traveling the world and they came to this inn where they wanted to stay the night. And the host asked them where they came from and where they're going. And they're like, we're just roaming around the world, practicing being a surgeon because we're super good at it. And so the in host was like, hey, you should show me that. Show me your surgeon things. And he's like, bet. So the first said he would cut off his hand and put it on again in the morning. Naturally. <laughs> <laughs> like you do to prove like to you someone you're a fucking surgeon. <laughs> You need your hand to be a surgeon. I don't know why that would be your first thing, but whatever. But then the other guy's like, bet, I will tear out my heart, and then I'll put it back in the morning. And then the third guy's like, I got all of y'all. I'm going to take out my eyes, and then I'll fix them in the morning. And the guy is like, all right, if you can do that, then I've seen everything. So they're like, let's do it. How did that, how did that guy do? Just like... <laughs> I'll just leave it there in the morning. I'll I'll get it tomorrow. Don't worry. Weirdly, this is not the most unbelievable part. (laughs) So they have this like magical salve, you know, because it's a fairy tale. So they rub it all over themselves. And so the first guy cuts off his hands and he puts it on a plate. And the next guy pulls his heart out. They put it on a plate. And then the other guy puts his eyeballs on the plate. And so they hand the plate to the innkeeper and he gives it to his little coworker lady maid servant and says put this in the cupboard and take good care of it and the girl's like all right so she puts it in a cupboard but what they did know is she had a secret lover and he was a soldier and so he was coming to the inn after everybody went to sleep and she was gonna make him something to eat and be all lovey-dovey and stuff but she opens the cupboard (laughs) and forgets to close it dun 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 and then while she's seated by her lover and they're talking on their little date thing, a cat wanders in and eats it all. The heart, the hand, and the eyeballs. So, not going well. <laughs> so, the dude's like, oh, I gotta go. And she's like, alright, I'm gonna go to bed. And So, she's taking things into the kitchen and she sees the cupboard is uh, open. And I imagine it was a big, oh, fuck. So she grabs her soldier boyfriend guy and was like, ah, we got to do something. And they're like, we got this. We just got to replace it. <laughs> so now staying at the inn, you've got you've you've got Hook, you've got the Tin Man and you've got Daredevil. So, OK, <laughs> I'm kind of following this, but go on. Yes. So he's like, all right, I saw that they just hanged this guy for being a thief. I'm going to go grab his hands. And he's like, you go find the cat. This is my least favorite part of this thing. So he cuts the hand off the thief, and then she catches the cat and takes his eyeballs. Oh, God. So then they have one more part, and they're like, where are we going to get a heart? Where's the heart going to come from? And he's like, hey, didn't you kill a pig? And it's in the cellar, because this is like old-timey days, and that's a thing that happens. And they're like, yeah. So she runs downstairs and grabs a pig heart. And they're like, problem solved. They're never going to know what happened. Let's go to bed. So the next morning, the surgeons wake up. The innkeeper and all of them are like, oh, hey, here's the cupboard with the plate of all your organs still intact. Everything's great. Now it's time to reattach everything. <laughs> so then they get their little salve and they smear it all over themselves. And guy number one puts his hand on. Guy number two puts his heart back in. Guy number three puts his eyeballs back in. And the innkeeper's like, man, I've seen everything. That was awesome. You guys are good surgeons. And they're like, yeah, we are. We're on our way. And they leave. <laughs> This is not the end, though. Promise. So they're on their way, and the guy with the pig's heart didn't want to stay with the other guys. He kept running off into the woods and would smell things. So he starts, like, (laughs) you know, scurrying around in the dirt with his nose like pigs do. And the others were like, what's up with that guy? That's weird. And then the second guy was rubbing his eyes like, I can't see very well. This is weird. And then... 
They were like, well, we should stop at an inn because it's not going very well. And as they're at the inn, this guy's counting money. And the guy with the thief hand was like, whoop, steals the money. And they were like, you're not a thief. What are you doing? What What is happening? And they're like, wait a minute. Light bulb. Something's not right here. Especially because the eyeball guy, it was nighttime now. And he could see really well. And he's like, well, this is not, <laughs> this is not great. <laughs> I love fairy tales. <laughs> Great. What what was the moral of the story? Don't cut your shit off. Have someone keep it in a thing and then try to reattach it to yourself. (laughs) And then so they're like, okay, well, let's go to sleep. And the guy with the cat eyes, he opens his eyes. He can see really good. And he starts chasing some mice. And then he's like, well, that's not normal. So he woke everybody else up. And he's like, brothers, just look up. Do you see all these mice running around? And they're like, I don't see anything. He's like, Something's wrong. These are not my eyes. We have to go back to the first innkeeper. He has deceived us. So the next morning they go back and they told the host that they did not get their right organs, that the first had a thief's hand, the second had cat's eyes, and the third had a pig's heart. And the innkeeper said that the girl must be to blame for that and was going to go get her, but she had taken off because she knew she done fucked up. (laughs) So then the three said, well, you need to give me a lot of money because... I got a pig heart, and this guy's like, I got cat eyes. What am I going to do with this? <laughs> if you don't give us a lot of money to make us forget about this, we're going to catch your shit on fire. So the innkeeper comes up with as much money as he possibly can, and the three went away with it and spent the rest of their lives with all their money, but wishing they had their own organs. The end. <laughs> I, I I reiterate, what was the fucking moral of this story? How about just, just the general, don't own a cat? Yeah, they're really, it. you know, I was trying to find, like, analyses about the moral. And I think a lot of people were trying to go the direction of, you know, surgeons were super new at this time and people were unsure. But there wasn't a lot of consensus. My The funniest one I saw was, quote... One moral of the story is not let your cat steal body parts you're in charge of safekeeping while you're making out with your boyfriend, end quote. (laughs) And that made me laugh. (laughs) God. I think it could be, if you take a step back, it might not even be, like, whose fault is it really? Because you could say, oh, it's that girl, it's the girlfriend because she was clumsy, or Mm -hmm. the cat because it's a cat and it just eats stuff. But, you know, the surgeons accepted the challenge from the innkeeper so it could actually be about ego just you know oh well why don't you just prove it you know it's very much of a marty mcfly situation it's like Mm -hmm. what are you chicken yeah they're very boastful so it's probably something like that like don't be too cocky you know it's your own fault (laughs) otherwise you'll wake up with a thief's hand a pig heart and cat eyes (laughs) i mean i guess it could be worse but (laughs) Could that be is, better, yeah, but it could be worse. So the that's next interesting. one is a short version of bearskin. All right. So a demon pays a guy not to bathe for seven years. There's a lot more to this, but this is a very shortened version. So he also can't cut his fingernails or his hair. And he has to wear this crazy cloak and a green coat and sleep in a bearskin. But he gets unlimited money if he can do this. So he's like, sure, why wouldn't I do that? Because I'm going to be rich. Oh, wait. My ankle biters. Oh. <laughs> it's my husband. <laughs> he's getting attacked by mosquitoes. So came to get the bug spray. <laughs> oh, where is I am? Okay, but if he accidentally bathes, the devil gets his soul. So now known as Bearskin, the guy helps out a man who can't afford to pay her his hotel bill. And the man offers Bearskin one of his daughters. The two older daughters refuse because, ew, gross, dude hasn't showered in like five years. And then the younger daughter is like, all right, why not? So he says he'll return in three years. And when he does return, he's super handsome. He's been able to bathe. He's all cleaned up. It's been seven years now, and now he's rich. And the two older sisters are like, "Fuck yeah, I'll marry you." But he's like, "No, I'm already promised to your younger sister." And the two older <laughs> daughters, <laughs> they end up just like slipping there. 
Yeah, this takes a turn. So the two older daughters wind up hanging and drowning themselves. And then the devil tells Bearskin that it all worked out because now he got two souls instead of just the one. The end. (laughs) I know this story. I know it as um, the devil's brother. I love in the comments. You can't wash some smells out. (laughs) Seven years is a long time. That'd be ripe. Yeah. (sighs) Plus, there's that weird thing of, I don't know if you heard it, but like your hair can wash itself if you don't wash it after a few years. So yeah, I know the story. It starts off with like him not having a penny to his name, right? And he and the devil kind of comes to him and says, well, if you work for me, then, you know, I'm not going to like take your soul or anything, but just work for me. So he agrees to sweep the chimneys or sweep the soot for him every morning and to keep it in a sack and, you know, whatever, just general sort of chores and stuff like that. and um Eventually, when he wants to go back to the surface, he says, if you sweep up all the soot and put it in your bag, and that's your reward. So he's uh, this guy's thinking, why why the fuck am I just like taking soot with me <laughs> as my reward? It's, okay, so he sweeps it all up, takes takes the bag, and he goes back up to the surface. And when he gets back to the surface, all the soot becomes gold. And then it's the kind of just the general story of like, you know, he goes to the inn and stuff like that and pays off. It's just uh, these weird little details that I remember, but... Yeah, I didn't really understand that part of the story. Like, why would you... How does this story work? Because what there wasn't really a challenge, was there? Just the not bathing. Yeah, that was really the only challenge, if he could make it the full seven years. That's horrible. Yeah. <sighs> you don't think the devil's, like, there just making shit up. Like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tell him to, like, not bathe. I'm going to get another guy to never brush his teeth. Yeah, I guess, I mean, if he's bored, I don't know. I mean, these were different times, I guess. <laughs> Maybe nobody's making deals with him and he just wants to yeah. payment. Oh, and so my last one is the Fitcher's Bird tale. So a wizard disguises himself as a beggar and kidnaps three beautiful sisters in succession and forces them to be his wife. So not a great start. Yeah. <laughs> it's This is so weird. So weird. So the first sister, he leaves alone at this magical castle with a ring of keys and an egg. He tells her to protect this egg and that there's one room she can't enter. So what does she do? She enters the one room she's told not to go into. (laughs) And she's so shocked at the contents of said room that she drops the egg. The contents is uh, a pile of hacked up bloody bodies <laughs> from all his previous wives that he's kidnapped. And she has blood on the egg and she can't get it off. And so he catches her and then she joins the pile of hacked up bodies. Yay, fairy tales. <laughs> what kind of fucking wizard is this? Like, And then... There's not much on the second sister other than she meets the same fate. She goes in the room she's not supposed to. She freaks out, drops the egg. He catches her. She, too, is chopped up and thrown on this pile of discarded wives. So the third sister has a little bit more sense, perhaps. She doesn't take the egg with her. She decides to put it somewhere safe while she goes and explores. Which, you know, smart, sure. And then she finds the body pile, notices, oh, no, those are my sisters. And then somehow reassembles them, like puts them together and then they bloop back together. And now she has her sisters back. Naturally. And so the wizard is pleased that she's trustworthy and didn't freak out and didn't, you know, break the egg or whatever. And so they're making arrangements to get married, but she fools him into carrying her sisters home. And then she escapes by rolling in honey and putting feathers all over herself and pretending to be a bird. (laughs) And while she's a bird, I'm just mad she's hopping around like, I'm a bird. She somehow tricks him and then burns him alive with all his wizard friends. The end. Honey and feathers, that's all it takes. You're a bird. Yeah. You know what? When you were saying that, I immediately thought of Home Alone. He's just like, <laughs> why the hell did you take your shoes off? Why the hell are you dressed like a chicken? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that. But, um, I mean, this is probably like my favorite story out of the ones you've told. It's just, 
It's just such bullshit for so many reasons. Like, she puts her sisters back together. Was there fucking super, like, human glue that we don't know about? Yeah. And she just... It doesn't explain it <laughs> at all. I mean, he's because a wizard. I... So, I mean, assuming it's a magical castle, so maybe there's just magic everywhere. But I don't think we're supposed to think too hard into it. Plus, also, like, I think she must be, like, some kind of sociopath, because she opens the door, sees all these hacked bodies, she's like, oh, well, I'll just put them back together again. Like, sorry, like, the, the sisters had a normal reaction. And that's another thing I don't understand in fairy tales. Yeah. Why is it? The person who has the normal reaction, they're punished. Like, her sisters saw hacked bodies, and they freaked out, which is a natural thing to do. And this mm-hmm. other girl's just like, okay, like... <laughs> Yeah, and why would that be your first idea? Like, let me see if I can put the legs back on. Like, no, I would run. That would not be yeah fairy tale logic. It's great. <laughs> I thought she was actually like gonna marry this prick as well. Like she, like he just chopped up all these other women and yeah. your sisters, and then it's gonna be like then they got married and they happily ever after. Like that that would have been such a crappy. That's like getting that's the start of a toxic relationship, and that's yeah. gonna t- eventually turn into some shitty movie trilogy like The Fifty Shades. <laughs> Yeah, and there's variations of this. There's the Bluebeard fairy tale and stuff. But yeah, just any of the ones where it's just a bunch of hacked up people, it's a variation of this one. This had the bird in it, and I just, I had to, I had to include it. Like, I'm just, oh my God. Oh, bird, come here to this flame. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> this is a podcast. You that. can't see it, but I'm flapping like a bird. <laughs> And I'm witness to it. <laughs> oh, I just love fairy tales. But yeah, these are all Grimm's. Oh so I just thought that was fun. I have, I pulled out my Grimm's fairy tale book and they're just too fun. Too fun. I just like the comment here is like from Nicholas, but did the wizard bathe? I assume so. Because if he can't magic up some kind of bath, he's not really much of a fucking wizard, is he? Sure. He could do a fucking castle. He can't do a bath. That'd be pretty shit. <laughs> There's a quote for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, that's all I got. So what do you got? (laughs) I'm so excited. Oh, God. I think it's just kind of growing up with all these fairy tales. I didn't know they had all these dark origins. So obviously when you grow up and you hear or you read, this is actually the true origin of the story. It's weird, but enlightening at the same time because it's always good to know that actually there was a much much darker version of a story that you knew one that i kind of took issue with was a variation of sleeping beauty from the 17th century by i can't really pronounce his name but it's like gian Battista basile from the 17th century sounds better than my attempt when i said it (laughs) so from the 17th century so is it is it older than grim because I'm not, I'm not sure when they wrote the tales. Um, Grimm was 1800s, I believe. So yeah. So the 17th bit. century, so kind of close to it. So in this version, it's it's kind of similar premise of you know the basically it's not really important what happens in the story. All you need to know is that she fell asleep for a hundred years. That's kind of the main gist. The <laughs> issue with this is she's under a spell. She's fallen asleep. And some king comes riding by and he notices this castle and this tower entwined with ivy and thorns and he's curious. So he manages to get through. He notices everyone is asleep, the staff, the children, the pets, and everyone is asleep. And he makes his way up to the tower and he sees Sleeping Beauty and he immediately falls in love with her. Why the fuck that happens, I don't know, but whatever. He falls in love with her, proceeds to rape her, like actually... like. We're talking about not not he kissed her like he did that he did the mm. day, and then he look he just makes his fucking merry way home, and then it turns out Sleeping Beauty was is impregnated by the king. She gives birth to twins still asleep. I think the I, I don't want to say like angels, but like again, there's the kind of religious thing that comes into view because these animals come to help feed the baby and to help the babies to suckle on her and stuff. So the babies eventually they grow up a little bit, and then soon the babies start to suckle on her finger because they think that that's you know 
where they need to suckle and they take out the splinter that was stuck in her finger and then she wakes up and then she sees oh i had babies which is a weird reaction because i'd be like what the fuck did you come right so she wakes up has the babies and she decides to find the father and i think someone tells her like oh you know this king is the father and stuff so she makes her way to the kingdom and the i think the queen finds out because the twins look so similar to the king and then she kind of puts it together like she's not exactly dumbbells over here so that's always that's always the thing isn't it like the villains are so much smarter than the the heroes as well and i'm just thinking you guys need to like catch up really (laughs) so she puts it together before the king and she decides i'm going to kill the children and cook them and then have the king eat them for dinner as a retribution to get him back for raping a woman and impregnating her um and i I think it's like the punishing because what he did was horrific but also don't kill babies (laughs) like no matter (laughs) how mad you are why would that be your first thought i'm gonna make him eat them no no like, does this not sound kind of Grecian to you as well? Like, proper Grecian tragedy. Like, let's just slaughter people who have nothing to do with this and, like, let those other people suffer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so Sleeping Beauty is uh, locked in, in a dungeon and the children are taken away, but the cook feels sorry for them. So he um, gives them to his wife, slaughters pigs, as we heard in your last story, very similar, slaughters the pigs, pretends he's cooked the children and serves them to the king. As the king's eating, the queen says, oh, how do you like your meal? And he says, oh, it's delicious. Like, he's done wonders with this dish. And she said, oh, well, enjoy it because you're actually eating your dead children. And he freaks out, understandably, and he has he wants to get the queen executed. So he throws her in the dungeon. And he's about to go kill the cook because obviously, like, he's the one who butchered them, apparently. And the cook tells him, no, actually, they're all alive. Like, she's stuck in the dungeon because your wife put her there and your children are actually still alive and he shows them and they become one big happy family and they get married and yeah the end there's brush past the whole rape thing though (laughs) jesus how is this like a happy ending story and i'm sorry like i'm feeling it for the queen here she has a fucking legitimate apart from killing the kids fine but like she has a legitimate reaction like he rapes her gets her pregnant wants to bring her home and she's supposed to sit there like yeah that's fine yeah disney left a lot of that out (laughs) jesus you know what i mean just where was she in the wrong apart from killing the kids like can we just like aside from that but where was she like how was her reaction not a legitimate thing i agree i don't think you should cook people's children but being angry is the appropriate like reaction at that point your husband is a piece of shit (laughs) Exactly. Like, if the king died at some point in this book, that's like, okay, that's a happy ending. Yeah. That, yeah. That would amaze her. Yeah. But, God, yeah, that's, mm, I don't like that. Don't like (laughs) it. Yeah, I've heard, yeah, I've heard, ugh. Yeah. (laughs) So gross. (laughs) It's just so disturbing. (laughs) That, you know, we grow up with Disney and the, you know, the, children fied versions where she just yeah. pretty in the sleep and yeah kiss but it was, like, it was not a kiss yep. very so problematic. Much problematic yeah yeah good lord <laughs> in the comments we got nick saying even disney's kind of whack rando finds this woman sleeping and decides to smooch her <laughs> yeah i mean true there's there's no consent there that's wild I think there was, like, controversy that one of the Disney rides was trying to take that out because the whole consent thing, just the the kiss scene. Um, but there's, like, a version of Snow White where he just sees her dead body in a coffin and decides, she's hot, I'm going to take her home. <laughs> and they, like, carry her out, but then they trip and she, yes, like, they hit a rock. and piece. Yeah, and the apple comes out and she's like, oh, I'm not dead. And he's like, score. You know? <laughs> yeah. like, it's just so weird. <laughs> they need to redo the fairy tales with this modern language. I'd fucking love that. <laughs> yes. Oh god. I love especially YA books. They have a lot of modern retelling, but it's more modern jargon and stuff. I mean, not as dark as grim, of course. Yeah. But yeah, I do enjoy them. They they I remember when uh, I was in an English class, like I was 
primary school, so I was about 10 years old or something, and we were talking about fairy tales. And um, what was it? The teacher was basically saying about what her favourite fairy tale was, and she said Snow White was her favourite. And I said, oh, yeah, and then at the end when the prince kisses her and stuff. And she was just like, no, I hate that ending. And we were just <laughs> confused. We're like, okay, why do you hate that ending? And she goes, because I prefer the ending where the she, where they trip and the apple piece comes out. She goes, that's more accurate. And I was like... We're talking about a fucking fairy tale. Accurate. So you think it's normal that she can talk to animals, that she has this, there's a fucking magic mirror and a poison apple and, but the accurate, but the accuracy is actually like just that one little part and that you're satisfied with that. That's, that's incredible. It's <laughs> the most random. And she's a teacher as well. Like, <laughs> That's amazing. I really amazing. wish I called her out on that when I was that that age. That would have been fucking incredible. Yes. And I I think I mentioned it in Dion's episode, but there has to be a correlation with just those of us that read really weird shit like fairy tales growing up and how weird we are now. And those of us that chose to do things like history and weird shit growing up because that's what we read as kids. I think there has to be some sort of correlation because I thought fairy tales were weird, but I also couldn't stop reading them. <laughs> I was like, how is this happening? <laughs> Same thing with mythology. Sometimes you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> but you can't stop reading. I don't know if I'd, I'd done a bit of reading on some some essays about fairy tale writings. And they say it just has this drawback that I think is kind of what you mentioned earlier about, you know, with psychology. It's just that because it's so out there... And it has elements of the mystical and the unbelievable. That's why we're, we're kind of drawn to it because it's just not an everyday thing. It's not a normal thing. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of drawn to it. And it also kind of takes us out of our present self and that we can just put ourselves into books. And we know it's not true. And also, I think there is a little part of it where some people read it and think, glad I don't have their fucking problems. <laughs> That's true. You know what? I quite like stories that are kind of tragic. So like the endings aren't happy, basically. I don't know. I'm just a very pessimistic person. Maybe that's it, or just a realist. Whatever. Like, well, pessimists <laughs> will say they're a realist, and other people would say you're a pessimist. So I guess it depends whose perspective. So one of my favorite versions of the story is the Pied Piper of Hamelin, and the the version I prefer is the one where at the end. I mean, should I give a brief? I assume everybody knows the Pied Piper of Hamelin anyway. Um. Go ahead and give a little brief, just in case. I'm sure okay. everybody does, but you never know. That is true. Or well, that's called something else, like pie paper of somewhere, whatever. So there is a massive, in this small village, there's a huge rat infestation. And they're gnawing through everything. They're gnawing through people's property, their food, even books in the library. And it's just one big, horrible, bubonic plague mess. So the mayor's freaking out and he's he's thinking, you know, how am I supposed to get all the rats out? The, my election is coming up as well, so I need to sort out the rat problem, then I'll be settled. And someone recommends to him a Pied Piper and he says, this man uh, can get rid of your rats. He has a magic flute and he'll be able to sort out the rats in no time. So the mayor thinks about it and he says, okay. He hires the Pied Piper and at first, he's a bit of a skeptic. He's thinking this guy can't possibly get rid of all these rats and there's no such thing as a magic flute. And the Pied Piper orders him, you know, pay me 20 gold coins and I'll be able to get rid of them. So the mayor agrees and the Pied Piper begins to play. And suddenly all of these rats are hypnotized as soon as they hear this infectious tune. And the Pied Piper begins to lead them out of the town and suddenly all of the rats from the village, all the rats that were hiding underneath the tunnels, they can't get enough of this music they're hypnotized by it and they're all led out of town with the pied piper leading them and everyone comes out of their hearts and they're thinking you know what, what's happening all the rats are just just going away now and uh, the pied piper leads them all through into the swamp and they begin to drown themselves and he makes his way back and he's hailed as a hero people cheer and the pied piper goes i write just my payment and then i'll be sorted and the mayor suddenly refuses and he says 
you well, you didn't actually do much. You just played your flute and then the rats were kind of gone. You know, I could have hired anybody to do this job. It would have been easy. And the Pied Piper's furious. He's humiliated. He obviously, you know, may have mocked his skill and his magic. So the Pied Piper begins to play another tune, a softer, gentler tune. And suddenly it's not the rats that were being hypnotized. It was the children. And the Pied Piper begins to walk to the opposite side and up towards a mountain and as he's playing all the children from the village are hypnotized and they're following the Pied Piper and as no matter how much the parents begin to scream and yell and try to pull them back and all these children just in a row just keep following the Pied Piper and people are yelling at the mayor you have to do something you have to do something and the mayor's you know whether he knows or he doesn't know I don't know maybe it just depends on the version of your story but the Pied Piper just keeps walking up the mountain and he never comes back with the children. Oh my god! The end. <laughs> That's my favorite. The version. end. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the moral of the story: pay your debts. Yes, yes, that's exactly pay, it. Pay for people's <laughs> services. <laughs> I don't know why. I think it's just because in the kids' version, I remember reading like you know you had those like every like must everyone must have had it like you know those big giant fairy tale books the really thick ones yeah. the ones that you're as a kid they were bigger than your own body so you'd have to lie it down on the bed instead of putting it in your lap because it was just massive and then just you know all these kind of animated illustrations of these stories and the kids version is the mayor pays him and then he brings the children back but you know sometimes <laughs> it's not it's not really that easy and i think there is a whole thing when you look back at stories and mythology and things like that it's it is about pride and ego sometimes so even if you've if you decide to do the good deed it doesn't change the fact that you've humiliated them and that you kind of mocked them as well Mm, i mean look at like for example king midas like he had to learn humility and then you know make sure he could couldn't have the ability to touch gold but then he mocks i think it was apollo or something he he mocks one of the gods and then they give him the ears of an ass yeah. So it doesn't matter, like, you know? Yeah. All those moral tales. Oh, that's fun. I love that because here, I don't know if it's a, a chain in other places. We didn't have it in Arkansas, but we have a Pied Piper pizza everywhere in Texas. <laughs> so every time I like, go by it, I'm just like, oh, he burped out a lot of children. <laughs> oh, go have your birthday party there, children. Yeah. <laughs> And never come out. <laughs> uh, I wonder if, like, the marketing, if people ever try to, like, bring that up. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. We're not going to talk about that side. Or is it going to be like Ratatouille? They have all the rats working there. That's what they're oh, actually yeah. doing. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I've never been. I've driven by a few, but I don't know what they look like. Uh, I like, uh, was it Dion's comment of where the Pied Piper drowns the children? I've heard that version too. I think I've heard one where he just takes the children and he never comes back or he does drown the children. Yeah, one of those two versions. I think I grew up with the first one that I mentioned, but I have heard that other version. But yeah, just this whole tragedy idea, I think it's not, it's not even just, oh, I like it because it's realistic. It's just sometimes you there are tragic endings to stories and I think you should tell those tragic endings as well because it's not like everything's going to be happily ever after all the time I agree it's just good to that. know that there's a consequence mm-hmm. yeah life's not always a happy ending life's not always easy so yeah i think i agree i like stories that are more realistic and things are hard but i also have a lot of trauma so that's probably why yeah i'm kind of sick so maybe don't listen to me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was actually asking my siblings, I was like, what was your favorite like Disney movie growing up mm-hmm. that's based on a on an original kind of fairy tale, myth or legend? And my sister was saying The Little Mermaid. Because even The Little Mermaid, I had no idea, actually had an origin story. And that's a sad story. Like if yeah. they made the Disney movie based on that, oh my god, the shit they would be in. Oh my god. I vaguely remember a couple of years ago. There being talk about them making a Hans Christian Andersen version, like a live action, but I don't know if that ever got greenlit because it's dark. <laughs> wop wop. Yeah. History is so depressing. That's what makes it so good as well. It's true. It's true. I saw a shirt that's like a 
history is uncomfortable. If you don't think it is, then you're doing it wrong. Yes. <laughs> I was like, yes. 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 <laughs> so what is your favorite fairy tale revision movie? Oh, gosh. Okay. I should have known you were going to ask this because you just said you <laughs> <laughs> I'm a full on Disney, Marvel, DC, Star Wars nerd. And Lord of the Rings. Same. We're going to be best <laughs> friends. <laughs> I'm just like, ah. yes, I I am such a nerd. I recently, this last week, I went to a string quartet where they played Game of Thrones and yeah. Indiana Jones and Star Wars, and I was just losing my damn nerd mind. So good. I think- oh, they played the parts of the Caribbean, and I just kept humming throughout the whole thing. I was hoping people weren't getting annoyed hearing me, but with parts of the Caribbean, you have to hum it. Yes. It doesn't matter where you are, you will hum it. I know, I was like dancing in my seat. <laughs> to the music because that's what you i listen wave. to yeah i listen to movie scores while i'm working it's the only thing i can have playing where i can concentrate okay let's see here i think okay so my favorite disney movie is princess and the frog for the reason that she has mm. a job <laughs> Has nothing to do with the fairy tale. I just love that she's hardworking and has like three jobs. And I was like, that's realistic because she's so tired because she has multiple jobs. And of course, that came out when I was older. So, but growing Hmm. up, I think I watched probably Cinderella the most. Yes. As like a tiny human. That one was probably (laughs) my child favorite of the fairy tales. Okay, we got in the comments Snow White. Uh, favorite snow white was yeah i think i like it because it's a vintage movie it's one of the first yeah princess yeah, movies like you can appreciate it for its age also like how different the artistry was like the drawings because oh, in yeah. some ways i actually miss the pencil drawing so S- sleeping beauty for me is one of the most visually appealing movies of its day and you know the music was just fucking amazing i mean i love that different parts of the orchestra used to express different elements you know whether it's emotion or just the basic like they match it with the furniture moving for example just those little things i really enjoyed so i could i could rewatch sleeping beauty over and over just just because it's so visually appealing of course disney had a change thing to make for kids but i mean that also mm-hmm. opened the doors for a lot of us to watch disney and then be curious about the Mm. original stories and then that led us to fairy tales too so even though they are wildly different or inaccurate (laughs) hopefully like they got us all into the right direction or you know got us inspired to look up other versions yeah or even the different depictions that they have of common mythical creatures. Like, how many versions of elves are there? You know, there's yeah. good elf, there's bad elf, there are dark elves and light elves and wood elves and whatever. Like, even in um, Lord of the Rings, how they depict elves. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be taller than men with pointy ears and kind of soft golden hair and stuff. And then you look at, say, the Santa Claus, Tim Allen movie, and they're just short little, they're kids. <laughs> it's true. It's- Solid movie, though. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, that's so true. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Tell everybody how to find your podcast. Let me think. So my name, Cheyenne Hist, is my Twitter name as well. So if you did want to follow me, if you liked some of the jokes and some of the other shit I was saying on here, uh, feel free to follow me on Twitter. My podcast is called The Power of Bessar, which is a little bit harder to find, maybe. (laughs) I don't know. Like, Bessa is spelled P-A-I-S-A. Like, to me, it seems a bit obvious in some people, but other people are like, I don't know, they can't really find it. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure you follow the podcast. Just go on to, go on, go on to yeah, Historical AF, yeah, yeah. and it will say Power of Bessa. It's going to have an Indian flag on it. If there's something to do with India, it's probably me. <laughs> yeah, I'll put it in the show notes, too. I'll make it just like a... Yeah, yeah and if you ever do... I We've mentioned it a couple of times, the Time Travel Talks Discord. Yeah. She's very active on there. So you can talk to her on there too. Highly recommend. It's an incredible Discord. Yeah. Good job. Interesting people. Yeah. And oh, there's just so much information. It's it's so good. So well done. The only community where I can properly geek out and say, I love this movie. Anybody else? (laughs) 
It is. It's a fun community. I highly recommend. Yes. But thank you for joining me and I'll let you go to bed and you can have me on your podcast anytime. Like I will yes. literally geek out anytime. <laughs> I want to thank my guest Serena for joining me again. You can find her on Twitter and the Discord channel at Cheyenne Hist, H-I-S-T. Highly recommend you follow her and check out her podcast. And again, I will have that linked in the show notes below. If you'd like to watch this episode in its unedited three-hour glory, you can do so on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash historical AF pod. And you can watch all future episodes live and comment along. If you have a story that you'd like us to read on the Extra AF, please send that in to historicalafpod at gmail.com. Please follow me on social media. That's at historicalaf on Facebook, Twitter, and the Instagram. You can also find me on the TikTokie at Keena Leanne. If you'd like to buy merch, that is shop.spreadshirt.com slash historicalafpod. And I just want to thank everybody for being so nice. I know this is a week late. I took the week off because uh, I had a spectacularly shitty week. And I just think you guys are amazing. So thank you for that. I'll see you next time with a bonus fairy tale episode with my friend Taya over at For the Love History. Okay, bye. <laughs>